Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, a rash of Twitch hacks have broken out. YouTube is changing how creators can add ads. AMD launches new GPUs. We'll see if it's actually what we're waiting for this whole time or not. And DLSS or Starfield is put behind a paywall. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Shore. This is on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Do you think maybe I should actually enunciate that this is Eagle Eyes on Tech? Do you think I should make. I should actually practice that. Maybe do it a little slower. Nah, I don't think that's ever going to really happen. There actually aren't that many tech stories to really talk about. But. What I do have to talk about is very interesting. I'll tell you what. Trying to hunt down tech stories. The, the week before an Apple event. You might as well give up. Because half of what you're going to find is just going to be, well, I think the iPhone is going to end up being a giant PS5 console. Oh, I think the iPhone is just going to be an earpiece you put in your head and it's going to project everything on it. Well, I think the next iPhone is going to be exactly like the other iPhones. And I'm going to say, I don't care about your wild theories about the next iPhone. If you ain't got nothing important to say, get out of here. But no, everyone's got to go ahead and say, oh man, the new iPhone's about to come out. I wonder what they're going to do. do. Here, here, here. You want to know what they're going to do for the next iPhone? Here's my bold prediction based on things I've actually seen. It's going to end up being a slight upgrade with USB-C instead of lightning. And everyone's going to gripe about how... I have to get rid of my lightning accessories. Dude, your lightning accessories are terrible. Like by modern standard, I hate to tell you this iPhone lovers, your actual lightning accessories are awful. They are based on 20 year old technology and it's about bloody time that Apple is moving forward. There. That's all I got to say about, about the iPhone. I don't know specifically what they're going to do. Everything points there being USB-C on the iPhone 6900 or whatever we're up to. What is it? iPhone 15, actually? I think it's actually iPhone 15. But that's my bold prediction for it. I'm still waiting for a standalone version of that facial scanner that Apple pays Intel for. Like it still blows me away that the best software that or the best hardware VTubers have for facial tra tracking is an iPhone taped to the wall. That still blows me away. But speaking of which, let's actually go to. I don't know if I'd call this breaking news or not because this was late breaking on Friday. We're recording this on Saturday. But it is kind of still a developing story. First reported by Zach Busey, your one-stop shop for everything streaming related because that's just how the guy operates. And, you know, we love him for it. 
We're not going to pronounce his last name any other way until he tells us that's pronounced the, the, the funny way. But there's a new hack that's going out right now. So we've talked about quite a bit, a, num- a number of various Twitch hacks that have been going around. This one seems far more rampant, and the attack is all about having the compromised account spam its own channel and every other one with a Discord link that is then used for pretty much whatever you can think of at that point. Discord, unfortunately, is not that secure of a place. But it is very easy to avoid all kinds of exploits on Discord. It's a weird place to be, needless to say. But if you're in, say, a malicious Discord, like ones that are being spammed all over the place, well, it's very easy to take advantage of your account, gain access to it, etc., etc., etc. So how do you protect your account from this attack? Well, here is the unfortunate thing. All of the compromised accounts seem to have one thing in common. It's the fact they use an extension called Pando. Okay, here's the concerning thing. This isn't as simple as just saying if you've used this Twitch extension called Pando, just reset your password, all right? That'd be easy. The problem here is the fact that The attacker has figured out a way to get the auth code through an extension. And the fact that, for for those who don't really understand just how serious this is, I want you to think for a minute, okay? The way Twitch extensions work is that the developer uploads their cute little whatever to Twitch. All right, whether it be a digital little pet thing that like hops around the bottom of the screen, whether it be something a bit more interactive, whether it be a game within a game, whether it be a way for people to answer a poll on the screen and then have that affect the game. There's a lot of these out there. The thing is, is that these all have to be approved by Twitch first, and then they run on Twitch's server. This means one of two things. Either A, Twitch's approval service approved Pando, which was malicious in the first place, and then 
Pando then transferred the auth token from Twitch servers while running on Twitch servers to the attacker, which is horrifying in and of itself, or there has it been a breach in the Twitch extensions server and the auth tokens are gotten there and Pando is irrelevant in this case. All it means is that the people were using extensions in general. And that second thing I just said is far, far, far more horrifying than the first. This, if the second case is correct, That means whether you have a recent password change or two-factor authentication is irrelevant. In fact, if that second case scenario is what we're dealing with here, there is literally nothing you as the user can do. It is something that Twitch exclusively has to do now keep in mind this is still very much a developing story i don't know what's going on nobody knows for certain what is going on all we can do is theorize what's going on i would definitely say this if you do in fact use the twitch extension pando i would a hundred percent change your password if you don't have two-factor authentication on your account you really should have it on in fact by the by here's a fun little inside baseball sort of thing here if you are a twitch partner or twitch affiliate meaning that you do make money from twitch you are required underline required to have two-factor authentication I would dare argue if you stream even for fun, even if you aren't a affiliate or anything, enable two-factor authentication. Just in general, on Twitch and otherwise. Because the last thing you want to do is have an easy... I mean, you have any idea how many times on YouTube a big channel has fallen for some itsy-bitsy little crack... One little slip up, one little clicked on an email they shouldn't have, one little saying hi to the wrong person on Discord, and all of a sudden, their entire YouTube channel had all of its videos deleted, and their channel was converted into a Tesla clone and said they were selling crypto with a looping press conference of Elon Musk with a message linking to malware. You think that's very weird and oddly specific, but that is exactly what goes on on YouTube all the freaking time. That affected even the Linus Media Group channels. You wouldn't want that to happen to your own. And if they have access to your Twitch account to do this sort of stuff, by God... It can get far deeper.
And it gets even worse, because if we scroll down in the Twitter post of Zach Busey, yes, it's a Twitter post. I don't care that there's an X in the corner. There's an X in the other corner, too, by the way. I'm, I'm just saying, X lovers. Should click that other one. Anyway, if we actually scroll down, there is actually a number of people that have posted and said that this happened to them and they've never heard of Pando. Now this doesn't mean that it is a worst case scenario. It could be that the developer of Pando was compromised and anything they have developed is affected by this. I would just say If you want to be extra careful, go reset your password. Go ahead and reset all your active connections. Zach Busey ex encourages this as well, to reset all active connections. This means that anyone that is connected to your account or any sort of extension or anything of that regard would need to re-sign in and you need to re-authenticate all of it. It may be a pain the next time you try to start up your stream. In fact, why don't you, in fact, if you're gonna go ahead and do this, I would recommend during your next stream, start a few hours earlier and uh, just see what doesn't break. And go ahead and re-auth everything that did break. And if something was connected and you don't know what it was and everything seems fine, well, maybe it wasn't necessary. It never hurts to go the extra step in all of this. And quite frankly, just a simple reset password, reset all connections, and just go and re-auth your connection to Streamlabs or Stream Elements or whatever the heck kind of uh, alert system you use is not really the worst idea in the world. And quite frankly, probably would take you about a half hour to an hour to on how complex your stream is. You know, maybe I should have just told everyone that's watching live right now at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon that, they, that uh, that's why I was late and not that I was distracted playing Uncharted Waters on my phone. Hmm. Maybe that was a smarter one. Oh, well. Better be honest and all that sort of jazz. Now, another theory that it, that's going out is that it was Stream Alerts TV that was, in fact, hacked. Apparently, they are the developer of Pando. That would actually be a huge deal. Because I do know Stream Alerts TV. That may seem, that may sound like something that's generic and alertsy, but it's not really that common among most streamers. But, if I'm not mistaken, if you are in the VTuber space, Stream Alerts TV is 
well known for adding features to VTube Studio that allows, say, model interaction with thrown items. You know, better safe than sorry. Just go ahead, reset your password, reset connections, spend a little bit of time, make sure everything's working before you go live, and you know, you know not... I, I stress again, pretty good idea to go ahead and just be careful with all of this just whether you're sure or unsure that you use anything from streamer alerts tv i would go ahead and reset all those connections because let's be honest if it is in fact a scenario two that in fact it's twitch itself the actual extension server that has a vulnerability Best to go ahead and make it as hard as possible for your account to be compromised. I'll, of course, be keeping a very close eye on this story as it develops. And, well, we'll just have to see how this goes. This could be very big, or this could be a very, oh, that's all it was. Anyway, the fact that they are only sending out messages to join a malicious discord server however does kind of show that they don't have nearly the amount of account access that we think they do because let's be honest if you had the ability let let's say, let's pretend for a minute you're a hacker all right let's pretend that thanks to one exploit you have access to thousands of streamer accounts big and small would you really go ahead and just spend the time to uh to just broadcast a discord link you have access to the account you have access to the stream key that is huge. You will definitely... I have a feeling there's a reason all they are doing is spamming chat messages. And it might just be an exploit within the chat system. But of course... I am merely just basing this on what little information I have, which I fully admit is very little. All right. I think that's enough uh, paranoia and, uh, and Twitch fear instilled for one day. Have I scared you significantly enough to change your password? Go change your password. And I see you back there. I see you back there. I see you changing your password to five zeros. No. Bad. You changed it to at least six zeros right now. Or at least change one of those zeros into an O. Can you imagine if that was someone's secure password? O zero, O zero, O zero.
honestly, if, if you want the best password, here's the best password. Capital P at sign lowercase SS capital W zero RD. That's the best password right there. Now it's the worst password because I said it out loud. Let's instead talk about Microsoft. Microsoft, if there's one thing they're good at, it is annoying the ever-loving hell out of you on your own computer. They are amazing at it. How many times do you get an get a pop-up when you first start up your computer saying you should update to Windows 11 right now to which I say no no you can't make me or how many times I have fired up a newer laptop actually my Windows 11 laptop at work because it updated for, without my consent by the way if you're not getting up uh, if you're not getting splash pages that say upgrade to Windows 11 it means that just like my two workstation I use to make this uh, stuff, it, uh, it's too old for Windows 11. Best preventive me me measure ever. Have your computer be too crappy for Windows 11. Yeah. Anyway. One of the things that Windows 11 is infuriating, and Windows 10 actually. Windows 10 was also absolutely abysmal at this, or for this, I should say, is the fact that it kept trying to urge and encourage you to just kindly, gently, maybe you should use the hottest new web browser, Microsoft Edge. How many of you have gotten those updates? How many of you have gotten that little pop-up window? Dude, you should use Microsoft Edge. Have you seen the latest version of Microsoft Edge? You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Da, 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 da. Well... A lot of you thought the same thing I did and wondered when was the EU going to angrily throw themselves at Microsoft and say, stop pushing Microsoft Edge. You can't do that. Well, good news. Microsoft got the message ahead of time and will, in fact, stop pushing Microsoft Edge within the operating system, within Windows 11, in the EU. Talk about doing the bare minimum. This is just, uh, look, I keep telling myself, I keep telling myself, that Windows is fine. That I don't need to move on to a different operating system. 
that I don't need to go ahead and do literally anything else. Windows is fine. I can deal with these little pop-ups. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, for all of the... For all of the obnoxiousness that the EU gives that goes way out of its way to just kind of make a racket out of things for the way that uh, the way technology works nowadays. I really do wish some kind of push was put against Microsoft for these blatant advertisements in their own platform. We don't tolerate this on our phones. Why should we be tolerating this on our desktops, on our laptops? This is absurd. And I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of envious of the EU in this regards. I am very jealous of the fact that Europe does not have to deal with these stupid pushes. Chat's talking about, like, it'd be fine if you were still on Windows 7. Yeah, unfortunately, Windows 7 doesn't support latest versions of DirectX, and thus things just won't work. Not gonna lie, though, I have been very tempted to install SteamOS on my gaming rig. For those who don't know, the way my setup works here for this stream is there's two PCs. There's one old Z840 that runs the stream with way too many cores. And then there's a smaller Z440 that was converted into a gaming desktop. So that plays the game and the other one goes ahead and does the stream. Really tempting to just install this extra SSD in that thing and install SteamOS on it and see how things are. Not gonna lie, it's pretty tempting. <sighs> Chad's just going, do it, do it. You won't do it, do it. Uh, that might be an experiment for another day. But that it, but back to the topic at hand. I do wonder what the breaking point is here in the States to have this stuff stop. And before you ask, yes. These little adverts affect Windows 11 Professional as well. It'd be bad if it was just home, but it's so much worse that it's on the Professional version too. If you go ahead and pay extra for Windows 11 Professional, because you are professional using your system for professional needs, 
you still get these advertisements. I do gotta wonder what happens at like a lot of the big professional studios. The like team of 30 engineers, all with like 128 core monsters, freaking running Windows 11 professional workstation edition. Fire up, get ready to design the next biggest bridge or skyscraper or whatever. A team firing up CAD to work on this thing. And they still have to deal with pop-up ads for using Microsoft Edge. It just sounds infuriating, doesn't it? Oh. It is. It, it just is. Anyway, I went on much longer than I thought I was going to on this. We're actually up to our first break. When we come back, I want to talk about the YouTube ad situation. Yeah, this one's also going to be very interesting to break down. Because it may not mean a whole lot to the average viewer, but it does mean a lot to YouTube creators. We'll be back. Yeah, it's going to be a screaming kind of day, isn't it? Welcome back. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. You, you know, anytime you mention YouTube change in ads, it is going to be absolutely infuriating. I'm also surprised that no one's pointed out the irony that before I talk about YouTube ads, I play Twitch ads on the live stream just so I can go ahead and get a breather. And that Twitch ads are far worse than YouTube. I'll give YouTube that much. Their bad ads are at least better than Twitch ads. But at least Twitch ads are not freaking Twitter ads. We can all agree that Twitter has the worst ads, right? I think we agree on that one. All right, let's talk about the changes on YouTube ads. All right, there's a couple of things that are changing. First off, there are going to be longer ad breaks for YouTube TV viewers. This means that if you use YouTube TV, which, by the way, who are you? I have been wondering what the use case is for YouTube TV for a long time, and I haven't gotten a good answer yet. You are still an enigma to me, and I'm very curious. Who are you? But in any case, ads on YouTube TV, which... By the way, you're, you're paying like $100 and you're watching ads? What? I, mean, I digress. The ad breaks are going to be longer and much closer 
to what you'd expect on television. To which I have to ask once again, what is the point of YouTube TV if it's going to end up being just as bad as cable TV? The entire con concept becomes more and more baffling to me. But it's going to be what it's going to be. In addition to this, one of the changes that's coming is also that content creators are going to have less control over the ads that play on their videos. Oh, yes. The only option content creators are going to have is going to be whether ads are on and off. There is some talk about YouTube ads, you know, still letting you go ahead and place where a good place for breaks would be, but not the kind of ads that are going to be placed and not for what kind of lengths. You used to be able to go ahead and say like a double break here, a single break here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now you're just going to go ahead and have an on off switch. And that the mid-rolls will just be inserted in what the uh, YouTube algorithms just determine is best. I'll say this. It's better than what we first heard was going to happen. Because at first, it didn't even sound like they were going to give us the on-off switch. It at first sounded like YouTube was just going to go ahead and insert ads whether the creator wanted them or not which was going to be super awkward, especially given the recent drama between Linus Tech Tips and Gamers Nexus. Both of them went ahead and published their videos without ads on. And originally the theory was going to be, did YouTube just force it so that ads had to be on so that they'd go ahead and be able to monetize every apology video out there whoops so what is the point of the change it's the same reason that Twitch pushes more ads. It is the fact that the cost of everything in this economy is going up and that these sites that try to operate on just ad revenue need to generate more money. It's just that simple. You can go ahead and say it's because greedy fat cats are etc etc. But I'm telling you the cost of everything's going up. Which means the cost of operating YouTube is going up. It means the cost of operating Twitch is going up. And they gotta figure out how to make up for that difference somehow. That's all there is to it.
I just wish they got a bit more creative. Like, one thing that I actually forgot to include in my tab of notes, whoops, is that one of the changes that's going to be happening for YouTube live streams is that there is going to be automatic ads that roll on YouTube live streams, except where they roll is much more inventive than anything Twitch has done. It's going to roll in the chat box. So it doesn't take up any space on the actual stream. It won't interrupt the content. All it will interrupt is your chat experience, which is also terrible, but is way better than the abysmal, atrocious, underlying offensive automatic ad player ad manager as twitch calls it that twitch runs which goes ahead interrupts the content and then shoves off your your video to a small little corner above the chat and then says oh hey we're not interrupting your experience you can go ahead and watch a postage stamp Yes, I still hate it. Yes, I still hate that ads manager. Yes, I wish it would die. And I wish everyone would stop using it. I know there's some, there's some explainable use cases for it. I totally understand that for a lot of streamers, it's their livelihood. I get that. I don't blame them. I blame the manager for being an atrocious pile of garbage that should have never been launched as a product. Have I stressed how much I hate that thing yet? Has it been ground into everyone's head? Has it been carved into stone? <sighs> I hate that thing. However, Google isn't done yet. Oh, no, 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 no. You thought that Google was done just going ahead and just introducing a terrible, or rather, oh well not I shouldn't say a terrible, but an increased ad experience. Oh, no, 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 no. They still want to go ahead and push out their privacy sandbox. Ah, yes, the privacy sandbox. I just went ahead and hit my KVM switch instead of the button that changes my screen. The privacy sandbox, if you don't remember, we talked about this a while back, how Google planned on introducing this and it was gonna be their new way of gathering information to sell you ads. Well, spoiler alert, it's, it's coming. And in fact, it's being rolled out. And quite frankly, it's pretty much exactly what we expected. It's a new way to gather information, but it's not going, but it's, you know, it's Google proprietary. So everyone else that uses it, Google gets a cut and you can technically opt out of it. You've just got to actually read how to opt out about it. Basically, when you get a prompt for this, do not consent to it. It's that simple. That's all you got to do. Just say no to the text box 
trying to say that there's new updates to your privacy. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just say no. It's that easy. It's that simple. You just got to go ahead and say no. And then just like that, not tracked. Or, you know, you can use a privacy-based search engine. I've actually gotten used now to using DuckDuckGo at work. Which then led to a hilarious exchange with my accountant when he came into my office and said, why does your Google have a duck on it? He's so adorably technologically illiterate. Uh, but anyway, that's enough about talking about privacy and terrible things happening to, uh, at Google. Let's instead talk about something hilarious. Let's instead talk about AI. Because we can't get away from that at all. Nope. No siree. In fact, Gizmodo is now changing it so that all of their Spanish language journalists are being replaced with AI. Now, you might think that my position on this is going to be that I feel bad for all of those journalists that just lost their job to machines and that we must be aware of AI taking jobs away from people who have spent years in college only to be carelessly replaced by software running on a GPU. No. My position is that we should give all those journalists popcorn and offer them a seat while we all go ahead and watch hilariously as Gizmodo inevitably puts out a hilariously badly translated article that is supposed to talk about something along lines of this is fiction this is all made up by the way uh that's that is supposed to be a spanish article about uh new updates coming to like say the steam deck or something and it turns out to be an article when you read in spanish about how human poop is good for the body or something equally absurd You laugh, it's inevitable. I'm sorry. <laughs> Someone in chat said, I am elf monster. Oh yeah. Translations are amazing. Bad translations can be just incredible. I for one fully expect that, um, these Spanish-speaking journalists will be able to get jobs elsewhere. I think it is only a matter of time. I'd say it's even a decent chance that by the end of the month, they'll have their job back at Gizmodo. There's, in fact, like a YouTube shorts guy that does that, uh, 
that in, that like intentionally makes like satirical, completely absurd uh, uh, news readings. Wouldn't really be surprised surprise you at all if like this AI generated journalist started making uh, headlines equally as absurd. By the way, there is no actual scientific evidence that human poop is good for the body. In fact, there's a lot of medical proof to the contrary. That is a fictional story that I just made up on the spot. I just feel like I need to put that disclaimer out there because I know there are people that are willing to believe anything they hear on the internet, no matter how stupid it is. Would it really be surprising at all if I actually found that exact headline on, uh, on Goop? It just seems like something they would go ahead and try to spread. In any case, in other news regarding privacy and all that sort of jazz, here's one that came from the Mozilla Foundation. The Mozilla Foundation has found the the best, by far the best category for the worst ever privacy all right who do you think wins who wins when it comes to having the absolute most abused or worst privacy policy ever the product category out there that is the lousiest with handling your privacy What could it be? Do you think it's cell phones? Game consoles? TVs? Smart home appliances? Showers? Facebook devices? Idiot pucks? Chromebooks, laptops, computers. Oh, no, 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 no. Someone in chat says the IRS. The IRS is not a product category. A for effort, though. I like where your head's at. No, 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 no. The worst product category by far, according to the Mozilla Foundation, for your privacy is... Cars. Yes, cars. Your car is by far the worst kind of device for spying on you, gathering information, and the privacy policy just basically signing away 
all your all of your everything to just being monitored and sold. And you know what? Like someone in the chat just said, it's not that shocking. I would have said I am shocked, but not surprised. That quite frankly is a phrase that just seems to apply a lot when it comes to some technology out there. And it's not just Teslas, all right? It would have been one thing if it was Teslas, especially after the story about uh, of basically, you know, Tesla employees getting videos from consumer from Tesla cars and then just sharing them around, including somehow um, not safe for work videos. We'll just phrase it that way. Don't do the dirty deed on the hood of your Tesla. What are you thinking? That thing's got cameras everywhere. Just, geez. It's not just Tesla. According to Mozilla Foundation, all 25 car brands earned the privacy not included warning labels. First off, is there really only 25 car brands? I always felt there were a lot more. I'm not going to think about that too long because then it's just going to be the remaining 10 minutes of this segment listing off every car manufacturer and then going, huh, I guess that is it. And then shaking our head and then going anyway. But it does just kind of show that, you know, when you look at the car space, not any of them are really your friend, like at all. And it's funny because you look at Tesla, they originally showed up as like the brand that is so unlike every other car manufacturer. We're going to go ahead and shake up the entire industry. We're going to be like any other ones. And here's the funny part. You look at Tesla compared to all the other ones. All the other ones are terrible. With the way they go ahead and build their vehicles, like I'm discovering, in a way that you basically have to take it to the dealership to get fixed for something as simple as a bloody freaking water pump. On a Tesla, you, if you try to fix it yourself... You are software locked out of using your charger. That's great. To the privacy on the actual main manufacturers, they just don't care. At Tesla, it's even worse. They go ahead and share your videos with each other. It's just no matter what, no matter where you go, the vehicle industry is awful. It's just awful. And I really do wish there was some huge shakeup like what Tesla promised, but failed to deliver and in fact became worse than what they promised. But hey, welcome to the modern era. It's awful. And you know, I'd love to say 
Hey, you can make a change by doing this. I don't know what that this is. I don't think there is a this. I think you're just hosed. Actually, no, 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 no. You can do this. Your next car should be a 30-year-old beater that is mechanic-owned and driven and then learn how to fix it yourself. And just keep that car running indefinitely. What? You think there's another solution? I don't have one. It'll, it'll guarantee your car can't spy on, spy on you because it's so dumb that it's physically incapable of it. And the only other unfortunate thing is that, uh, well, you'll just have to get used to only getting 14 miles to the gallon or whatever the heck it gets back in that day and age. It'll be very curious to see what the response is to this, but I have a feeling that literally no one is going to care, which is rather unfortunate. Um, do I want to get into the Apple news yet? I think we're going to take our break early and then take a longer segment next to get all the Apple news and kind of start shifting into happier news. News that is actually not reminding you that you live in a cyberpunk dystopian. We're going to talk about the iPhone vulnerability that was just discovered as well as some hope for Apple lovers that aren't suspiciously wealthy. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Here is a, another public service announcement. First off, the first public service announcement. According to chat, there actually is a dating site exclusively for Tesla owners. It is by far the most pretentious thing I have ever seen chat type in the chat. I now know about this, so you had to as well. I'm not giving you any further information than that. It is a thing that now apparently exists. Second, if you have an iPhone, you are now slightly less pretentious than a Tesla owner. Possibly a lot less pretentious than a Tesla owner. <laughs> but you should also update it. There actually is a critical vulnerability found on all models of iPhones. Yes, all of them. I want to repeat, all of them. Every single iPhone has a vulnerability and you should update it. And there it, and it is so important. It is such a big update that Apple actually patched it. That's when you know it's bad. When Apple actually goes ahead and patches their update, patches their software. I 
wish I was being sarcastic about that, but man, Apple like rarely put, they are so late to up to patching their own security vulnerabilities. It is comical. And the fact they're actually going ahead and pushing out an update so quickly, it's not even funny. Look, there's no reason not to. I mean, I'll, one of the biggest advantages that iPhone has over Android, I'll fully admit this, even if uh, Android owners don't want to admit it, their updates are way better. They get more updates than Android, and they get them out faster than Android, and they're more stable than Android updates. I'm sorry, Android users. I'm, I'm an Android user, too. Obviously, I'm freaking hooked on an emulator on my phone. <laughs> but they get their updates out way faster. Someone in chat says more updates. Clearly, you don't own Android. Clearly, you don't pay attention to your Android enough. They, they, they say, you realize how many times this year my phone kept trying to force updates? Do you know how many times it successfully implements those updates? My phone keeps trying to install the same update every week! For four weeks! And it's one of the newest phones out there! The Android update system is atrocious! Doesn't listen to when you say you should update the thing, although it's starting to finally get a little better. It goes ahead and has to push on an update for the update that it put out because the update it pushed out was bad. It's just when Apple pushes out an update, it's, it is better. But when it comes to updating security, they are slower. But no, that is one place that Apple does have a huge advantage of over Android users. One advantage that Android has o over iPhone is the fact that I actually get playable mobile games by being able to download any sort of console emulator that exists. Unlike the iPhone where you can't and therefore always get garbage. Zona chat asks, does, asks, does the update come with a headphone jack? Obviously not. Chat, I will never understand your absolute cult-like fascination with the headphone jack. No, the software update does not come with a headphone jack. While we're on the topic, there is not a software update that makes your phone waterproof. There also isn't a software update that lets you charge your iPhone in the microwave either while we're at it. Is there any other 4chan scam that uh, we can go ahead and say that the software update also doesn't implement. Chat says Bluetooth isn't everything. I agree with you. Here's the thing. There's like two phones out there with a the headphone jack. The time to have raised this stink was five years ago. We've lost. I have, I have gone to the acceptance phase 
that we have lost the headphone jack war. It's over. Your headphone jack society is now. I don't like it. <laughs> they said we raised it five years ago and we will not accept surrender. And, and all right, if you, if you ever want to know what a rebel army looks like, that like group of 12 rebels trying to go ahead and fight against the, the million plus army of the of the Galactic Empire, uh, this is what it looks like right here. The only problem is we don't have Jedi. All right, with the update said, if you have an iPhone, update it now. <laughs> Chat says we just need a Luke Skywalker. You know, if we take a lightsaber and very carefully insert the lightsaber right where the headphone jack would be, it would put a hole in that would convince you that you might have a headphone jack. All right. Let's actually mo mo move on. Oh, whoops, I forgot to hit a button. Anyway, Apple has reached a deal with ARM. According to a new filing that says there will be a new kind of deal that extends beyond 2040 with Apple that will allow for new licensing, new collaborative efforts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with ARM in making new custom silicon for Apple. This honestly should surprise no one, but it is a sign that in fact, well, Apple Silicon is going to be alive for at least the next 17 years. At the very least. So, I mean, Apple's in this whole Apple Silicon deal for the long term. But here's my biggest thing, all right? I want to once again stress the fact that Apple Silicon is not, underline is not, all powerful. I'm sorry. But your M2 Ultra Max Pro Plus Ultra, or whatever the heck the highest end chip, is not going to compare to an to a freaking ninety six core Threadripper. It can't. I'm sorry. It beats it in performance per watt. And it does it by a lot. It's what that chip excels at. But it is not going to replace a 4090 and a Threadripper. Like Apple's trying to make it sound like it's going to. It just won't. I'm sorry for all of you who want to go ahead and chug that Kool-Aid. Because mm, 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 is it good Kool-Aid? But it's time to be in reality. Reality is a good place to be at. Should probably like continue to be there. It's gonna be good for you.
Trust me. With that also being said, you know, it'd be great if, uh, you know, there was this crazy thing called affordability with an Apple. Because right now, let's pretend for a minute you're a student going in to learn graphic design at, or audio work, actually. Audio work especially you're pretty much you're pretty much forcing the Apple ecosystem. You can do audio work in uh, in Windows. You can do it in x86. It is so much better in the Mac ecosystem. It's unfortunate. There's also a lot of people who prefer to work with video editing in the Mac ecosystem. All right, they do exist. All right, Mac does have their place in the world as much as I am more of a Windows and an x86 guy or a PC guy. But the truth of the matter is that Macs are stupid expensive. The cheapest Mac right now is $1,000. And the used market, for reasons that scientists cannot explain, offers you roughly a 10% discount for a Mac that's 70 years old. Okay, it's not quite that bad, but it definitely feels like it. Like right now, the only Macs you can get on a shoestring budget are going to be obsolete or already are obsolete. So Apple wants to kind of do what they did in the olden days, all right? Long, long ago, they wanted to go ahead and get the iPhone OS in as many hands as possible. In fact, believe it or not, you used to be able to get an iPhone-like device for $200. No joke. In fact, the iPhone started off as relatively cheap by modern standards. It started at 400 bucks way back in the day. Nowadays, that's a budget phone. Holy cow. Nowadays, your cheapest entry into the iPad ecosystem or the iOS ecosystem is the iPad at like 400 bucks. But if you're looking to get into the Mac ecosystem, your cheapest cost of entry is either the $800 Mac Mini or the $1,100 MacBook Air or the $1,000 already older MacBook Air. But there are reports and rumors saying that next year around the WWDC time frame there's reports of an ultra cheap almost chromebook like model for the macbook okay you know what here's what i'll say if apple actually can go ahead and push out 
a MacBook near the cost of Chromebooks, I will 1000% support this because it means the death of the Chromebook, which is an abysmal computer that people should stop using. All right, stop using Chromebooks. You know who you are. You are intentionally limiting your computing experience. No, bad. You know who you are. You know exactly who you are. I don't know why I'm scolding a camera with a Mario Red DS case. I don't know why I'm doing that on an audio-only podcast. Is there even an audio-only version of this podcast anymore? I actually don't know because freaking Spotify now wants me to upload video version of the podcast, so I do. I upload a video version to YouTube now. I actually don't know if there is an audio-only version of this podcast. Hey, if you listen to an audio-only version of this podcast, nod your head right now. Now stop nodding your head. I can't see you. It's a podcast. What's wrong with you? But no, I agree with this, 100%. If they can get a $400 MacBook out there, that would be killer. Here's what I'm going to say about it, though. As much as I want to think a $400 brand new MacBook is possible, if there's one thing I know about Apple, they can't hit a price point to save their life. Okay. When they make a cheap iPhone, it's $700. When they went ahead and wanted to make a device that competes with the Oculus Quest, they made a $3,500 VR headset. They just, uh, it's one thing they struggle with. That being said though, I would not mind seeing a return of the white plastic MacBook. Look, I love the look of the sleek aluminum wedge. But part of me is a little nostalgic for the days of going into the, into the warehouse of off-lease and used computers and seeing a pallet of those plastic white MacBooks with a box of chargers next to them and just kind of going through and going, oh, those are, these are cute. These are cute little things. And being able to buy like a whole pallet of them for like, God, it used to be like 275 each. And negotiate down to like 250 each. Part of me misses refurbishing, I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't want to do it nowadays. Nowadays it's a nightmare. Someone in chat says, so in the end they just look like cheap Chromebooks. They look like cheap Chromebooks with an Apple logo. That's the big difference. And unfortunately, that Apple logo is going to cost them $500 per. 
but I think that's enough huffing the hopium here. I want to hope. I want to pray that this is a correct report. I want to believe that um, there would be an educational version of the MacBook that would come out and be and be affordable to the masses. Someone in chat asked, but will the logo be shiny or be an LED? Unfortunately, it'll be shiny. Real talk, bring back LED logos on the back of laptops. I'm sorry, older laptops are cooler. I know it's a, it's a waste and it, you're better off not having that sort of thing and you're, and it's better for it, but frickin', if I'm gonna spend $1,600 on a new machine, I want to have all the bells and whistles. That's a, that's a lot of lunches I had to skip to afford that thing. Sheesh. But uh, it is what it is. We'll see if Apple can do it or not. I really do. I since I I'm not even I'm not even being sarcastic. I really do hope they can do it. Just because nobody else wants to go ahead and take on the Chromebook. You want to what every other PC manufacturer's answer is to the Chromebook? You know what Dell's answer to the Chromebook is? You know what HP's answer to the Chromebook is? You know what Acer's answer to the Chromebook is? It was to make Chromebooks! You know what Microsoft's answer to the Chromebook was? To fart out a terrible outdated laptop and sell it for twice as much. Thanks. Thanks, dinguses. <sighs> Speaking of hope and huffing so much hopium, it's not even funny. Let's talk about GPUs. The other desolate wasteland of the computer space. Unlike the Chromebook area where everything is flooded with cheap garbage, the GPU space is right now flooded with expensive garbage. For those who really don't understand what the GPU space is right now, let me put it bluntly, all right? NVIDIA, this entire 40 series generation, put out GPUs that are roughly on par with last generation, marked them up as slightly more expensive, but then tries to say that they are more powerful because their DLSS technology makes it so that the frame rate is actually higher. DLSS, by the way, this is important for later. This, there actually will be a quiz on this. DLSS is an NVIDIA technology for NVIDIA GPUs that uses the AI part of the GPU to artificially make more frames rather than render them out the old school way. Basically, the GPU is cheating using AI to make your frame rate higher. The card is actually not working harder. The card is not actually following the proper protocols. It's using AI to guess what a frame should look like rather than actually doing it the real way. 
By doing so, a 4080 is almost on par with a thir with a 3080, unless you turn DLSS on, in which case the performance increases about 15%. So because of this, if your game doesn't support DLSS, you see no tangible benefit from the 30 series to the 40 series. Unless you're streaming, in which case the NVENC encoder actually is better from the 30 series to the 40 series. Real talk though, if you're a streamer, you really want to pay attention to the 4050 and try to get a used one of those because the NVENC encoder plus the AV1 encoder is basically going to make it so you could put that GPU in a potato and it'll be able to run your stream. Like no joke. And because the encoder is the exact same on all 40 series cards, it doesn't matter whether you have a, a bottom tier 4050 or a top tier 4090, it'll encode your stream at the exact same level of performance. It's crazy. There you go. Free streamer tip for you. Or if you want to stream now, go buy a 3050. Easy. So with NVIDIA going ahead and basically phoning it in and flipping off all of the gamers, we turn to AMD to be competitive. And, well, we get the RX 7700 XT and the 7800 XT, which are a little better than their last gen cards, not by much, but are priced to be competitive with NVIDIA's cards. If you're just comparing the 7000 series to NVIDIA's cards, the 7000 series absolutely kills it performance per watt or uh, performance per dollar. It's a no-brainer. The 7700 and the 7800 are better than NVIDIA's 4080 and 4070, where these things compete. If you start turning on NVIDIA's bells and whistles, then the Radeon cards start to suffer a bit. And if you're looking for ray tracing performance, which, who are you? No, really, who are you? Why do you want ray tracing performance? What game are you using that has ray? Does it make that big a difference? I'm not mad. I'm not disappointed. I'm actually legitimately curious. Who are you? Anyway, once you actually turn on ray tracing, the RX 7700 and 7800 both just kind of fall apart. They suffer heavily when ray tracing. The NVIDIA cards are far superior when it comes to ray tracing. That's just pretty much all there is to it. That's pretty much what I've gathered from all of the reviews. If you're an ultra budget shopper in this price point though, I believe the 6800 performs very close to the 7800 in this regard too. So I would strongly recommend if you're GPU shopping in this day and age, Unless you care about, uh, about encoder performance, I would just say ignore NVIDIA. 
almost completely. If you need new, if you want to make sure you have that warranty and whatnot, 7700 XT and the 7800 XT are probably going to be good go-tos in the 1440p category or in the high-end 1080p area. I personally kind of go for a 1440p card and then do the game in 1080p so that I know the card has plenty of headroom and you're just going to get the best performance, period, bar none. That's how I usually go about it. Also because my monitors are 1080p because I'm a scrapyard hunter. But if you're looking for the best bang for the buck, the used cards are going to still look really attractive. Like, not going to lie. So, I would still recommend you do your research, look up benchmarks, Jay's Two Cents, Linus Media Group, Gamers Nexus, if you can stay awake through all the dry technobabble, are going to be excellent resources to see which card is going to be best for your use case. And of course, I don't mind an answering uh, questions questions at twitch.tv slash eagle falcon when i'm live i can't help myself someone asked me a text qu tech question and then i have to answer it i can't help it it's like a disease so it basically boils down to a amd launched to answer the title of the podcast they, they launched um a good enough product it's not the godsend that we hoped it would be it is not going to go ahead and take the beat down to NVIDIA like we hoped it would. But it lands a solid right hook against NVIDIA. It lands a good blow. And NVIDIA really does need a few blows done to it. Considering that they are just absolutely raking gamers over the coals for all they're worth while just not caring about the gamer market at all and just making money hand over fist in the AI space. Although if uh, other shipmakers could do us a solid, could you just make like an AI ASIC and just absolutely kidney punch NVIDIA? That'd be super swell. I would just love to see some ASIC come out that like sips 100 watts and just outperforms the A100 by like a factor of 25%. That's it. That's all I ask. Just beat out NVIDIA and performance per, per watt and then performance in general. Because right now they just don't care about people. They just don't. It's infuriating. Now, if only there was a chip maker that could do it. Um, oh, here's one. A company has developed a new seven nanome nanometer chip. It's a dedicated SOC and it has multiple purposes. Okay, it's, it's the new Curin 9000S system on a chip. Oh. Okay, maybe we don't want it from this manufacturer. Yeah, this chip was made by Huawei. And in fact, 
was made in complete defiance of U.S. sanctions. Ooh. That's kind of rough. Now, here's what I'll say, all right? So, China has now broken sanctions against the U.S., all right? How much do you think the U.S. is going to do about it? How many of you said nothing? I think you would be correct. There's no way anything's going to be done about it. They're just going to continue making chips, and they're going to go ahead and put whatever the heck they want in this chip, all the kinds of hardware-level spyware they want, because that's what Huawei does, and they do it really well, etc., etc., but hey, they hit seven nanometers from a Chinese fab. That's going to be the next Huawei Mate 60 Pro. I swear, if Huawei ends up being the force that protects us from NVIDIA and their seemingly endless monopoly on all things frickin', um... NVIDIA and AI, I'm going to be really upset. <sighs> you know, I, I, I need to stop being depressed. What, what can I do to stop being depressed? Ooh. How about reports that external developers have had their hands on the Switch 2? Stronger and stronger reports of now what the people are just calling the Switch 2 instead of the Switch Pro are surfacing as developers at Gamescom 2023 have gotten their hands on the next generation Switch using a new version of NVIDIA's SOC. God dang it. I was really hoping we'd get away from NVIDIA. But this is still interesting news that it is featuring a revamped version of Breath of the Wild. And I suspect this report of it having a revamped version of Breath of the Wild is simply for demonstration purposes. Because let's be honest, if you own a Switch, you know one thing for absolute certain. Breath of the Wild was an absolute hit and every game wants to copy it. Heck, even Pokemon went an open world sort, sort of uh, game and it performs horribly on the Switch. Breath of the Wild performs horribly on the Switch too. Even Tears of a Kingdom, the latest version, still performs terribly on the Switch. It doesn't surprise me at all that for their demonstration that uh, they'd go ahead and show, Breath of, show a new version of Breath of the Wild running on newer hardware and showing that it's better. It's brilliant for trying to get developers on board. Would you pick anything else if you were Nintendo? I wouldn't. Breath of the Wild, despite the fact that it performed terribly on the Switch, still sold huge numbers. Huge. Just unbelievable. So I, for one, 
am very curious to see what this new version is going to give. And the fact that we also see more and more rumors that the next generation console from Nintendo is going to be a Switch. That pushes more and more, especially since it's using an NVIDIA SOC again, that it will be fully backwards compatible, which again, great news. I cannot stress enough how great of news that is for Switch lovers. Someone in chat says that they don't know if they'd say Breath of the Wild performed terribly, especially comparing it to the Wii U version. Look, look, look. Breath of the Wild can still perform terribly on the Switch and still perform even worse on the, on the Wii U. That is not out of the world of possibility. In fact, I dare say it's very likely. It can do terrible on both. Why shouldn't it? I'm just saying. It's kind of brilliant from a marketing standpoint if you're looking at the developers on. They say it was like night and day by comparison. I mean, it's still terrible. Just because one was far worse than the other doesn't forgive the fact that Breath of the Wild peaked at 28 frames per second on its launch console. And that's peak frame rate, dipping down to an abysmal two frames per second during, during some pretty sketchy segments. I'm sorry, 28 is still terrible. It still is. Especially when you promise 60. Less than 50% is still a failing grade. Or it might not be anymore. I've actually heard some stories that apparently an F starts at 40% in some schools now, which... What the heck? Seriously? But speaking of Zelda, there actually is some other news. There is some news that actually Tears of the Kingdom will not get any DLC. This is interesting to me. According to Kotaku, which take that for, with the bowl of salt that it's worth, the development team says they are ready to move on from the Breath of the Wild version of Hyrule. That's interesting. I'm not sure what to make of this. Okay. Does this mean that we're not going to see a, a third Breath of the Wild style game? Does this just mean that we're just not going to see any more Zelda games in this thing? Does it, it also means that we're not going to see any extra content for this game. So if you're a huge lover of this game, there's just going to be nothing. I think this is going to divide a lot of Zelda fans. Now, as someone who grew up with Final Fantasy more than Legend of Zelda, I don't really have a horse in this race. 
I can tell you based on the basic formula of the Zelda games, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom take radically different approaches from what, what Zelda traditionally is. So I think a lot of old school Zelda fans are probably going to be happy hearing this, saying that, you know, maybe we're going to see a traditional sort of progression via items in a dungeon kind of approach that we got from classic Zeldas, rather than this massive open world sort of thing where you just explore until you get lost sort of thing. I don't know what it means. I really don't. But again, as someone who isn't, I mean, I still haven't played Tears of a Kingdom. I still need to get that game and still play it. I'm like, holy cow. I am way behind. I'm way behind on a lot of things. I haven't played enough old games. I haven't played enough new games. I am like the worst gamer out there. So we'll have to see what this means for Zelda. I'm just more surprised that they're just no DLC. When was the last time you heard of a game say, we're not going to put out any DLC for a game? Besides Baldur's Gate 3, I can already see you going ahead and writing it out. I know you were thinking it. Besides Baldur's Gate 3 and Tears of the Kingdom, when was the last time you heard a game say 100% there's going to be no paid DLC? It's rare these this day and age. It really is. Want to see how it goes. That's all there is to it. Although in other things we didn't expect, we also didn't expect Nintendo to team up with Google to make a VR headset. Reports say that Nintendo has approached Google to help develop a VR headset of some kind for some kind of upcoming project. This is all rumors and reports, by the way. This is not official or anything. There is not an official Virtual Boy 2 before anyone starts pondering it. But I'll be perfectly honest, it's not something that's out of the world of possibility. Would you be terribly surprised if Nintendo did, in fact, put out a VR headset? And a real VR headset at that. Not one that's just a cardboard cutout of a, of a slot for a Switch to slot into. You can go ahead and use your Switch as a VR headset and go, Woo! Yeah, we, we, we remember that. How many people actually bought that kit? Or any of those cardboard kits? I'm actually curious. Like, they seemed really cool in the demos, and then you saw the price tag, and then, and then went, nope. Nope. No siree. Ain't doing that. Nope. 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 That's a shame, because a lot of those actually looked like really cool uh, little projects for the kids. Like, no joke. But we'll have to see if there is going to be a VR headset for 
the current Switch or the next-gen Switch. All we can do, sit back, wait, and see. Meanwhile, in the other space of the gaming news, it's quiz time. What did I say there was going to be a quiz on? Mm-hmm. That's right. I still can't hear you. I said that one of the things that NVIDIA tries to go ahead and say makes their cards relevant and that their latest version of, of their GPUs, an upgrade, is the fact they are powered by DLSS. A feature that goes ahead and uses the AI cores in the GPU to cheat and guess at what the next frame is going to be rather than render it out fully, thus increasing frame rates. The thing is, is that for a lot of people, they had to go ahead and buy a cheaper GPU from NVIDIA and then just hope the games they play support DLSS, whether it be DLSS 1, DLSS 2, or DLSS 3. DLSS 3 being available on the most recent ver the most recent NVIDIA cards. Starfield, Bethesda's new Space Explorer, is sponsored by AMD and as a result does not support DLSS 3 or DLSS 2 for that fact. It does support AMD's FSR technology, which is roughly the exact same technology, except using more GPU horsepower to fake frames rather than AI cores to fake frames. But in either case, it's still cheating. And it's not actually rendering the frames fully. Well, a modder went ahead for Starfield and decided to go ahead and enable DLSS 3 and then put it behind a paywall. That's right, if you have one of these lower end cards that can only keep up because it has DLSS, you have to buy a mod, a third party mod to have DLSS supported by one of the most recently made games. Do you understand yet why I hate DLSS? Do you understand why I hate FSR? It's an interesting technology in the console space where everything has to conform to what the console has, all right? Like DLSS for a Switch would be a godsend because you can't put a high-end chip inside something like this. You can't go ahead and fit like a Threadripper or anything like that or a big old GPU inside a portable device like this. That's where that technology is very interesting. However, in the open space of PC gaming, we're not confined to this form factor. We can go ahead and make a thicker handheld. We can go ahead and, and have a bigger desktop. We can go ahead and have basically any form factor we want.
but now you're at the mercy of a modder's paywall. And you know what? I don't even blame the modder. He put in a lot of work to go ahead and make this mod. I do feel it's fair to go ahead and be compensated for your work like that. I don't have a problem with that. But this is the reality that trying to rely on technology like DLSS is. It's abysmal and atrocious. And I, I don't hate the mod. I hate the fact that people need to rely on this mod in order to play this game. And it's all because NVIDIA decided that DLSS is a technology that can replace actual performance increases. Thanks, NVIDIA. Go pound sand. I cannot express my distaste for DLSS and NVIDIA's push of it and just how absolutely mind-blowingly infuriating it is. Let's get to something funnier, though. All right? I know we probably should have broken a while ago, but I don't have a whole lot left, so we're just going to push to the end. Rockstar has been caught pirating. I'm not even kidding. Rockstar Games was selling various versions of some of their older games like Midnight Club 2, Manhunt, and Max Payne. However, the DRM that's in those games would not let it run without the CD. So, rather than going out and undoing their own DRM on these older games, they just went ahead and found cracked versions of their own games and just put those up on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help but find this hilarious. The unfortunate thing is that these games do have some other countermeasures built into them that if they do detect that they've been cracked, they have some kind of quirky ways of interfering with your gameplay in kind of funny ways, like increasing the difficulty to max settings or beyond max if it detects that it's cracked. And there's still a risk of these games doing exactly that because they're just basically selling cracked games on Steam. But holy cow, I should be mad at this. I really should, because this is incredibly lazy on the developer's tart part. But my God, this is so funny. I can't, I can't help it. I just can't. It's, it's hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. And I just can't be mad. People who have gone through and actually found in the hex code when breaking down the EXEs, that in fact, the tag of the cracker could be found inside of the game. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Anyway, that's enough hilarious news. Let's get back, let's get, get back to depressing news. Diablo 4 has confirmed that it will in fact be going to annual expansion models much akin to Destiny 2 for developing 
Diablo 4. I'm sorry, but the instant you tell me that something is taking a page out of Diablo, uh, Destiny 2's model, um, I instantly lose faith that those players can be treated nicely. Like, Destiny 2 players have been treated dirty. There's no other way to say it. They have just been done dirty by Destiny 2 devs, and the fact that those players still put up with it really does make me sad. Minimal content every single patch cycle, a constant new expansion to buy that adds just a slight bare amount, and quite frankly, if Diablo 4 is going to really copy this model exactly, it's going to be bad. And here's the thing. You would think, you know, a good development studio like Blizzard. Oh my god, Blizzard. Blizzard they've made World of Warcraft, for crying out loud. One of the best MMOs out there. They went ahead and reinvented the, the team shooter genre. They went ahead and reinvented the kind of game Team Fortress 2 is and make cool, vibrant worlds. You know, if anyone could go ahead and do annual expansion design like Destiny 2 and do it right, it'd be Blizzard, right? You know what I'm going to say. You know exactly what I'm actually thinking. Old Blizzard, yes. Post Rotten by Bobby Kotick, Blizzard, I have no faith. I have no faith they're going to be able to do it. And while we're on the topic of Blizzard, I said the best chance survival that Blizzard has is of Microsoft buying them. You know, after seeing the launch of Starfield, the mixed reviews, the colossal amount of bugs that Bethesda pushed out, and the failure of Redfall also by Bethesda after being bought by Microsoft, you know, I'm not going to lie. My hopes that Microsoft can steer Blizzard back on the right trail is also really, really low. And I want to be proven wrong. I want to be so wrong on this, but man, I got to look at the track record of Blizzard right now. It's atrocious. And this kind of news is not good for lovers of Diablo. Maybe I'll be wrong though. All right, let's get back to funny, funny stuff, shall we? Baldur's Gate 3. I can't stop talking about this game. I haven't even played it yet and I can't stop playing this and I can't stop talking about this game. I haven't even played it yet. The characters in Baldur's Gate 3, it turned out, turns out are really, really, we'll just say thirsty. Okay. A lot of people said that, wow, I know this game said it was going to be unapologetic and allow a lot of horniness but as beyond their expectations it turns out that a lot of the npcs characters or the npcs 
and how thirsty they were was a bug. It turns out there was a bug in the game that actually had their standards set way too low. And no, 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 this isn't a, oh, oh, there was a bug that made them all thirsty, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Oh, it's, it's so funny. It's all a bug. It, it, it's actually legitimate. There actually was a bug within Baldur's Gate 3 that apparently has been patched now that actually made everything way thirstier than it was supposed to be. I'm so, I can't help but laugh at that. <laughs> Apparently, it was so bad that it was to porno levels of acting in the amount of thirst that was in a lot of these NPCs and has since been corrected. And I'm not going to lie. It was a very close call between this being the last burb and the, this next story being the last burb. But this is a tech podcast after all. So if I'm split between a gaming story being the last burb and a gaming st and a tech story being the last burb, I'm going to pick the tech story, which brings us to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, a Toyota factories or Toyota factories across the world shut down in late August. And all production stopped, was ground to a halt. And people couldn't figure out why. All right. All production of Toyotas ceased. What could that be? Was it a hack? Was it a massive technical difficulty? In fact, hack was the first thing that was thought of. Everyone assumed hack. Toyota's been hacked. Oh no, this is gonna be terrible. Oh no, 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 no. It's even dumber. All Toyota's factories, all Toyota factories shut down because there was insufficient disk space on Toyota servers. The hard drives were full! <laughs> All the SSDs were jam-packed with data. And the servers were ground to a halt. Because there was no free space on the servers. And here's the dumbest part, okay? This gets dumber. Because Toyota is a large company, all right? And a large company has a backup, all right? Main servers are down. It has to switch over to the backup servers. That's no big deal, all right? That's obvious. You, of course, do that. The backup servers also shut down. You want to know why? Let me tell you why. You see, servers do not have internal storage. Most servers don't anyway. Most servers are going to connect to what's called a SAN. 
Asan is basically a separate server that is just storage. This is kind of normal. You go ahead and have several SANs in a rack. All of your other servers contact the SAN for all their storage, and the servers themselves only do the thinking. That's pretty common. What's uncommon... What's uncommon... I'm stalling for time because, the ser because we just dropped a whole bunch of frames because the network connection went down to zero for a second there. What is uncommon, however is that these SANs are both used by both the primary and backup servers. Normally you make a backup server, you go ahead and make a backup everything. You make a backup SAN, you make a backup UPS, you make a backup everything. Redundancy, 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 because uptime is key. The backup servers were connected to the same SAN. So since the problem was insufficient disk space on the SAN, the backup servers too went down because it touched the exact same SAN that was full. Slow. Freaking. Clap. I cannot stress this enough that this was the most preventable thing on the earth if the Toyota IT department just passed IT 101 in their local Cisco certification class. Like, this was stuff that you're taught first year when it comes to enterprise grade IT management. But holy cow, I guess even the biggest companies can have the stupidest of blunders. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out my other works over at youtube.com slash eaglefalcon and at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. By the way, I need to do some more research because... Speaking of servers, I can't ro remote into my server anymore. <laughs> Team Viewer just won't let me. What a terrible piece of software. I need to find a new one. If you have any recommendations, send them my way. Take care. I hope you have a great day. I get the feeling that the Toyota IT department is the same kind of dinguses.
that go ahead and just say we don't have to worry about the servers everything's in the cloud everything's in the cloud everything is fine dude everything is totally fine everything is in the cloud they do seem like the exact same kind of idiots that would think that or you know maybe they could go ahead and just free up some disk space by just deleting all of these sex tapes that the Toyota car is recorded and sent off to the server. Yeah, don't, yeah, we still think you did it. I've seen the Mozilla report. Those cars have seen things. Just don't spy on us. Free up a whole lot of disk space. It's better for the production. Trust me.